Welcome to Pass the Outlet, Episode 5. I'm your co-host, Michael Benjamin, joined as always uh, by Chris Patrick. Chris, how are you doing tonight, man? Good, Mike. Happy to be here. Glad to be making another Pass the Outlet, bringing it to the people. So let's get to it. Very excited about tonight. We have a very special guest. But before we bring him on, we just want to say thank you for everybody who's joining us tonight. Uh, if you can, make sure you follow us on all socials, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at AZ underscore VSP. You can find us on Facebook at Valley Sports Plug and also on YouTube where you're watching this right now. But without further ado, yeah, we have yeah. a very special guest. It's the sports director of the Ross Farnsworth East Valley YMCA and a Phoenix Suns court attendant, a.k.a. a Phoenix Suns ball boy. At least that's what they called it back in my day. <laughs> But please, uh, please, with a warm welcome, help me uh, bring on Jacob Moreno. Jacob, how you doing tonight, man? Doing fantastic, Mike and Chris. Appreciate you guys having me on. Really excited to to get into some, some conversation, man. You know, Definitely. you're one of the best people to have on because this is what this uh, this show is all about: bringing on people who love the game, who have really, you know, gone through different phases within the game different experiences and bringing them to others who might not have the same so we appreciate you uh for joining us but chris before we get started you got anything else for the people no nah, man not too much just looking forward to the sun season starting in particular um really uh, happy to have jacob on and get this co nice conversation going really uh pick his brain on everything he does at the ymca and with the phoenix suns i, I expect it's going to be a really awesome conversation all right, Jacob, are you ready, man? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. All right. So obviously, when you know, first two episodes, me and Chris kind of took a, a deep dive into our past and our history. But I really want to start off right away by asking you, when did you start playing basketball? Yeah. So um, I had an older brother growing up. Uh, my brother is seven and a half, eight years older than me. So um, we were always outside playing, playing basketball. I feel like um, I probably started around four or five whenever you know kids have the coordination to pick up a ball but um i was in uh you know you have an arizona league and you know youth sports you name it i was in it like njb um wham uh the y at one point you know i played basketball everywhere um i possibly could uh growing up i played a lot of different sports growing up and until i quit football in like sixth grade is when i really after that i really started to take basketball serious and 
um, you know, it became my sport and, and my passion. Um, That's awesome. So like, yeah. So uh, in terms of in terms of like my playing, uh, you know, I used to I used to play club, used to play AU, um, play that for about seven, seven, eighth grade. And then um, when I went to high school, I kind of like transitioned high schools. I went to uh, Brophy College Prep my first year. Um, didn't really didn't really, you know, find a find a home, find a connection with the people there. Um, so I ended up moving back to uh, Highland High in Gilbert, but I still commuted from um, Central Phoenix all the way out here and um, didn't wow. end up playing high school ball. But, you know, I found I found the why and I found, um, you know, somewhere where I could still grow myself and grow, grow my skills in the game. So um, I kind of kind of ran with basketball at the Y. Beautiful. Yeah, so I, I heard you talk there about like, I think you said like sixth grade is when really like things kind of started to have you focus on basketball more. Would you say that's when like kind of the light switched or was there another point where you knew like basketball was going to continue to be a big part of your life going forward? Yeah, um, I would say I would say that's when the light switch for the sport um, where where it switched for for like my um, for my career. What I wanted to do was it was a little later in high school. Um, so when I, when I came back to, to Highland, you know, I, I tried out for the team. Um, this is my sophomore year. I tried out for the team. I didn't make it. Um, so I went, I went to the Y, I went to the, you know, the place right down the street and, you know, kept working on, on myself, on my, on my game, on my mental game and, you know, you know, not letting failure, um, kind of, you know, hold me back. And so, um, I kind of just kept stuck with the game, stuck with, um, you know, my mentality of working hard. Um, like I said, I played football and sometimes I do play like a football basketball player, which you see a lot at the Y. Um, but you know, I, I play, I play the game, you know, how I, how I run my life, uh, like hundred, hundred miles an hour, always, always trying to go, always trying to get better, always trying to improve. Um, and that's just kind of how I approach every day. So that's, yeah, that's the right mentality, man. Yeah. And, and the okay. I would say this where where it, the switch flipped for me in terms of my career, um, you know I I didn't really un- know that I was gonna have a passion for trying to make this you know basketball or sport my career until um, I was in high school and uh, I was just I was doing Spanish three it was my one of my electives and my friends got into a class that uh, was called sports marketing and in order to be in that class you had to be in a previous marketing class. Um, so I wasn't able to sign up for it, but I went to the teacher, talked to the teacher um, and just told them, you know, how, you know, how I love the game and how I, you know, had a, a, a suspicion that I could do it for a career and, um, you know, got accepted into the class at the time. It was only like 10 kids. And um, that's kind of where things started to click or the light switch uh, flip for me in terms of, you know, making making my love, my passion, my career. You know, Jacob, I feel like. When I started as a sports director over at the Chandler Gilbert Y, I think you were right at the tail end of uh, high school, and I think mm-hmm. you were still playing uh, within our leagues. Yeah. Do you have Do you have like a favorite memory from playing in those uh, on those rec teams or like a yeah, specific oh, moment or anything? Yeah, like that? definitely, definitely. Um, I've got two that I, that really really come to mind. Um, one's a not so great one. I'll start with I'll start with the better one. Better one is I always say I think I hold the record for threes in in the Ross Farnsworth gym. It was like I think it was like 
eight, eight or nine. I know I had like over 30 points in, in the game. So um, I always say, you know, oh, that, that kid, like if I see a kid, you know, hitting three, four threes in a game, I'm like, oh, he's close to breaking the record. He's close to breaking the record. <laughs> um, it's an unofficial record, not not anywhere hanging in the in the rafters of the Ross Farnsworth East Valley gym. But uh, in, in my head, that's definitely one of my favorite games. Um, and then my other one, which is not so great one, but it, it sticks with me because um, I always think about, you know, how I improve, how I can get better. Um, we lost to, I had a, like a, me, me and this one kid on another team, we kind of had a rivalry going back and forth um, throughout the regular season. We played each other in like our evaluation games, played each other in the regular season and ended up seeing each other in the playoffs. Um, and I just remember having like a really intense game back and forth. I go down, shoot a shoot a pull up jump shot. He comes down, you know, tries to back me down, gets a good pump fake. Teammate drops, finds finds his teammate, finds his girlfriend who's on the team. She hits threes, um, and she had about like six or seven threes on our team, um, and they ended up winning that game. But I always think about that one because um, the funny thing now is he trains kids and is actually a coach um, in my high school league. So um, you know, it's wow. it's been fun seeing him and being able to you know reminisce a little about. Our, our days in, in the Y and playing high school ball here at the Y when uh, now we're both coaches for high school at the Y. It's really, really awesome. So it all came full circle for both full of you. Full circle. So awesome, man. Yeah, and I, 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 that's one thing I love about the Y. And, you know, I've been here for so long. since Like you said, since since high school, I started when I was 17. Um, I worked at Harkins for six months and then came over here and, you know, just found, found a – I started volunteering. I did 100 hours community service here. Um, and they really liked me and the sports director at that time really liked me. So she brought me on actually before, uh, Greg Bouslog was, was even here. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, I just found my passion at the Y, you know, really early on as a, just a regular sports assistant. And, uh, that's one thing I'm really grateful about is I've had a lot of what, what feel like full circle moments in my life uh, in the past year or two. Yeah, I feel like a lot of basketball players can relate to that story about having like a rivalry with someone, even if it's just for a game and like you're kind of maybe chirping back and forth, going back and forth. But at the end of the day, usually you'll dap each other up and, and say good game and, and you appreciate the competition. I mean, I kind of had a similar thing like that last night in our adult league. And even when you were talking, they remembered when I was younger, very similar story. But is there anything else that you want to share about your earlier days of basketball? Uh, yeah, the, the biggest thing is, um, I don't know if anyone, anyone, young kids are watching, but, um, when I coach, I, I tell my high school kids this, and I tell, you know, my, my younger kids, this is, um, you know, it's not, it, you're never too old or too far to get better or to improve. Um, and one, one thing I wish I would have done is in my junior and senior year, after I, you know, put in the work and kept working in summers and throughout the year on my game, I wish I would have gone out and tried it, tried it out again. I wish I would have, you know, gone out there and, and proven, um, you know, that I could have potentially been a, had a part on the team. And, uh, you know, that so that's one thing I always, re, you know, maybe maybe thought I could have done better. I'm not going to say regret because I'm really happy and, you know, grateful for the experiences I've had in my life. Um but I would I would definitely say you're you're never too old to to get better and you're never too old to uh, to give up, for sure. I mean that's the that's the truth. We got a good buddy who plays on Sundays with us, Mike Howard. Every time I'm texting him about hey when we're playing, if he can't make it, he says, hey I'm not going to be there, but make sure you go out there and get better. So it's all about the right mentality 
even when you start getting yeah. old like me, you know what I'm saying? But well, awesome. You know, everybody starts somewhere. Everybody has different experiences, uh, you know, joining the game. And now we're getting into the really exciting part because it was something that I also experienced as well, working with the Phoenix Suns as a court attendant. So when did that start for you and how did that opportunity arise for you? Yeah. So um, I'll start with, um, I'll start with when it, when it happened. Um, I was a, I was a high schooler. Um, I've been working at the Y for about six months and um, through, through my friend in high school, um, I had made, made this friendship with junior year um, and we both kind of bonded over the Phoenix Suns. Um, so we would go, you know, watch the $5 student passes back when, you know, we're a lottery team, right? Not winning any games. We're, we're going to Steve Nash's uh, Ring of Honor night for $5, right? Something that, you know, probably would, ne- would never happen again. Um, so, you know, my my book's first season, I watched all 82, all 82 games. Um, I, fell in, I fell back in love with the Phoenix Suns because of Devin Booker. Um, and my senior year, um, my friend that I had made bonding over the Suns told me um, that he heard about open interviews through a mutual Suns fan he had on Twitter. Right? It was, um, it, it was, it was as you know, strung together as that. Right? It was just the you know, a random occurrence. He heard about open interviews through this guy. Um, we went down. We applied, or we, um, you know, dressed up, wore, brought our. Uh, brought our resumes. We didn't, you know, have to submit anything. We kind of just showed up and they interviewed five of us at a time. Um, I interviewed with my best friend at that time, or he's still my best friend, Chase, um, works at the Y right now, interviewed with him, he, uh, the, the guy who told him about it, and then actually someone who ended up not getting the job, but came back later and reapplied, um, who now one of my closest friends went to his wedding last week. Um, but so I, I got that job when I was a senior in high school, um, out of out of just a random occurrence, and um, it's been it's been the greatest greatest experience for for me in my life, um, aside from being able to coach youth and um, help help younger kids. That's been one of the most rewarding and just awesome things and that I've ever done. Right, because you know there I've I've seen I've been there now. This is going into my seventh year, um, and. I feel like there are a lot of people who sometimes aren't like fully appreciative of the, the things that we get to do. We get to be on, on the court. We get to, you know, even if you're helping in a timeout, you're still in the arena. You're where the greatest basketball in the, in the world is being played. So um, I'm just so, so grateful for that opportunity and grateful that I've been able to be there um, since I was 17. So it's very similar to the same thing that I went to. Uh, my dad found it online. They just had open interviews in the concourse. I went down there. Same thing. Suit and tied it up. Had my resume printed. Went in there as professionalized as I could be and answered the questions. My dad coached me up and uh, kind of the same go. similar uh, situation. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. My 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 kicker was uh, my dad was a season ticket holder back in the in the right. They stopped getting season tickets right before Barkley came. But he had a, a Phoenix Suns tie, so I wore my dad's Phoenix Suns tie, and that was like the the little little thing I feel like pushed me over the edge um, in that interview. There you go. You gotta have something that makes you stand out just a little bit. Exactly. It's, it's just a little little nice touch. Little nice touch. 
Right. So when, when you got hired after that interview is, have you had that same position the whole time or have you held different positions with your time? Yeah. So, um, back when, back when I was initially hired, it was called, it was still called ball kid. Um, right. We, we helped out with, uh, halftime promotions, um, timeouts, um, all the, all the little nuanced things. Right. I remember spending like 30 minutes before a game, uh, putting on flyers, like on, a third or two thirds of the arena by myself because all the other ball kids went down to the court to rebound. You know, I was out there just finishing, finishing the flyers trying to fly so I can go rebound for PJ. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, that was, that was kind of my early days. And we used to, we used to help out a lot with those halftime promotions, game ops promotions. Um, and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, um, they still, they still needed us, right. They needed what we do rebound for the coaches game time um, clean, the, clean the wet spots during the floor, uh, during the game. Um, so they still really needed us. So when they brought us back, the position kind of evolved a little. Um, and we also started getting some more responsibility in the back, you know, a year or two prior doing laundry, cleaning up the locker rooms, um, that type of stuff. Um, and that was really a big, big part of, you know, just making us all basketball operations. So, um, when COVID hit, they made us um, under the umbrella of basketball operations, no, no longer under the umbrella of um, game operations, but basketball operations. And um, that's when the title kind of changed from court attendant to court attendant. Um, we had, and we have a really strong crew. Um, there's about, I think, six of us who have been there for over five years. Um, so we've been, we've had like cohesion, just like, I would say, just like the starting five, right? Just like just like them, we, you know, have been able to work and with each other for uh, multiple years and just got that, you know, when we show up, we know our job, we, we get it done. And, you know, we don't have many people, you know, having to tell us what to do because we already know what, what our job is. We know what to do. Um, so, yeah, our position has kind of evolved a little and there's definitely been some more responsibility with it. Um, and it's also just become a, a lot cooler setting. They ha- They have not done those open interviews, I think, in about – four years, three years. So it's been a while. Yeah. Well, if you've got a cohesive unit, there's really no need to bring guys back, you know, if you already kind of know who you're set with. And that was one thing that was different in my couple of years that I worked there. We were always kind of bringing in some new people, Mm -hmm. um, but they definitely narrowed it down to the people who were going to be on the court consistently by the time that I finished up there. But so it's once again, I was wondering if you ever did any flyers because I was gonna oh be yeah kind of upset yeah. if you guys never did anything like that because you know and I'm I'm not a, a half asser I'm gonna like it frustrates <laughs> me when I don't do something well um, so I was like yeah man I I don't care if I'm just putting flyers on a seat I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this like I'm gonna do it well like I'm gonna go fast I'm gonna do it efficiently so um, yeah there's the little the little little things that you know um, help, help build up and help. Uh, it's like, you know, I, my job at Harkins, I'm so appreciative of that because it, you know, it taught me hard work. It taught me, you know, how to clean, how to do, do little tasks. And, um, I don't, little tasks are, uh, underappreciated. Very true. Now, I mean, now that you've been there for seven years, I'm sure you've seen the ins and outs, not only with your position, but, you know, different people who work within the organization. Is there another position that, one day you hope to, you know, find yourself working with, within yeah. the organization? 
within the organization, with any organization, I would love to at some point in my career, probably 10, 20 years down the road, become like a president of basketball operations. Um, I feel like a lot of what I do right now in, you know, my director position at the Y um, is a lot of different little, little things that, um, you know, can encompass that role. Um, for the, you know, for the why I do, you know, our marketing, I do our um, registration process. I do the recruiting for specific teams, um, roster management, roster building, um, communication with coaches, all, all the little things that, you know, may potentially go into a general manager or a president of basketball operations um, role. So, um, yeah, I would say I would say the end goal for me is to eventually get there. Um, the president of basketball operations, either for the Phoenix Suns or for any any organi- organization, um, but uh, I know there's a there's a lot of hard work that comes with that, and a lot of probably additional degrees that come with that as well. Oh, without a doubt, it sounds like you're definitely headed in the right direction, though, with everything you're describing with your work ethic from on the court to your job, whether it's Harkins or putting the flyers on the seats, th- those things do get noticed and that, that work ethic will definitely take you far. So Appreciate I want to know though, in your, in your, yeah, of course, in your current role, what's, what's been like your favorite moment as a court attendant? Uh, favorite moment. So uh, there's a, there's a couple that ring mine, you know, it's always like the, the pops. I don't know if you guys are wrestling fans, the pops, you know, so uh, stone cold walks into the arena, that, that big, just reaction. Right. I, and those are those are the ones that I think vividly stick the most. Um, there are a couple that I've been, you know, fortunate enough um, to be right right center stage for too. Um, I'll say I'll say the the big one, big two, two or three. Um, one was uh, the Tyson Chandler alley oop, right? Um, he from the out of bounds line. I'm I'm right there on that baseline. Um, I think it's an out of bounds play. Tyson Chandler standing beneath the basket just tips it in. Right. And then we saw that again in the value, which I had the fortunate experience of being once again, right there on that baseline. If you've seen the video of Jay Crowder, I'm literally right behind Jay Crowder. Um, so that, that the thinking about that gives me goosebumps too, the value. But um, I would say my favorite one personally is not those two. Cause I love those big crowd pop um, would be uh, the, would be the Tyler Ulis game winner. Um, Marquise, Marquise Chris oh, yeah. gets up, you know, plays good defense, causes a, causes a transition turnover. Um, you know, five seconds left. Tyler gets, gets the ball, step back shot. Um, I, that one, I, I borderline rushed the court. I was right there again on that baseline. <laughs> and I literally, I I went, I went out into the key, like waving a towel around my head. I was, that was definitely like the moment, uh, I remember the most. Given given Marquise uh, Dap in the in the tunnel, telling him good defense, that was definitely something that is like one of my favorite memories. So that's a that's an incredible uh, moment to share with uh, you know the players who got to be in, involved in that play. So yeah. you know some of my favorite moments as well as was the interaction I had with players. You know I very vividly remember a really awesome conversation I had with Luke Ridnauer, who was a point guard for the Seattle Supersonics. And then back in my day, probably my favorite guy who I had a pretty good relationship with was Pat Burke. Uh, Just a super funny guy. But was there anybody that you really had a a cool relationship with or a cool interaction with as far as players goes? 
as far as players go, would you would you say like cool interaction um, on the court during a game or like you know just cool thing in general? Because you know, I know which one you're leaning towards, but let's save that one towards the end. Okay, no, so because another one on the court. There's a couple things, right? Like I I I've always you know had two three jobs ever since ever since I was in a, a senior in high school. Once I graduated, I always had three jobs, and so I worked at Culinary Dropout, and you know working at culinary dropout in Scottsdale, you'd see players come in consistently. And then I'd be able to, you know, have a little FaceTime because dur- during the game, as Mike, as you might know, you know, players are locked in They're, you know, unless they're like a goofy personality, right. They're, they're locked in and, re- and ready for, ready for work. Um, and I kind of, when I'm there, I kind of approach it the same, but um, cool interaction. I, I, I would say, um, so when right before COVID, you know, they started giving us more responsibility, helping out in the locker rooms. There was one time I was in the away locker room and um, it was a Grizzlies game. I think it was Ja Moran's rookie season. I'm just like, they're playing some music. I'm singing along a little underneath my breath. And Ja like saw me and was like, all right, bro, I see you. Like, uh, go ahead, sing along. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, that was cool. Because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's really it was at the time really cool for me seeing someone who's my age. I mean, I was jaw jaw came into the league at like 19 and I think I was about 1920 at that time. Um, just seeing someone who's my age out there um, performing, hanging with like some, some of the greatest of all time. Um, you know, it was really, really awesome. And to see him give me a little, little props, just a tiny amount of props was awesome. I bet dude, like, you see these people on and players, especially on TV, and they're larger than life. And then you're in the locker room, and you're like, "Oh, it's just it's just a dude. He's just a guy." Yeah. Got a little nervous. Like, I got a little, got a little. Oh, nervous. definitely, definitely. How could you not? Well, yeah. do you want to share like any, or I'm sorry, any uh, stories or items to share from the time with the Suns? Uh, any any stories or items to share? Um, I, I would just say the the thing I always think about the most, the coolest experience for me um was when COVID happened we were the only people in the arena like there there was no fans there was no there was no family allowed or that at, mm-hmm. at some point there's a little family allowed but there there was no one so being able to like just watch the purest form of the game being able to hear every single little thing that these players are saying um that would that would to me it, it probably was close to what the bubble product was was just like you know, just pure basketball. And, um, you know, as, as someone who's a big defender loves hearing all the talking on, um, switches and rotations. I, I love that. I love that, that side of the the game. Gotta stay locked in, man. That's how guys end up being in the league for 10 to 12 years, you know? Well, I appreciate you sharing your stories with the Suns, but I definitely want to make sure that we talk about the why a little bit, because, it's something that I'm very passionate about, and I know that you are as well. Chris can probably attest the same thing. He coached with me for a number of years. There yes, you go. Sir. He's got the shirt on. the shirt yesterday, actually. Nice. Valley Wild Champs. So I know I'd you talked about your start, um, you know, back playing while you were still in high school, being a part-time mm-hmm. employee. But now as a sports director, when the opportunity arose – Kind of what were your thoughts going into that and and how did you know you wanted to take advantage of the opportunity? Yeah, so um the my my biggest passion has always uh as a, I've always loved coaching. I started coaching when I was still playing. I started coaching at 17. Um Greg Bauslager, the former sports director, current executive here, 
Um, you know, anytime you needed like a third, fourth grade rec coach or a fifth, you know, a younger, a younger kid coach, a younger team that needed a coach. Um, I was always willing to step up and, um, that, that I feel like had a, had a large impact on my leadership development as well. Um, but when, when, uh, I graduated from, from college, um, I really wasn't like, um, I really, like I took the summer off. Like I, I wasn't like, going out looking for jobs. I was kind of just like, wow, this is the first time I've had to just like breathe for a minute. So I took, you know, two, three months off of um, quitting culinary dropout, uh, only working really the Mercury games. I picked up like a Sprouts job towards the end of summer, but um, I really wasn't looking for anything. And then um, I, when I, when I did graduate, I gave Greg Baslog a card, just, he was still the sports director at that time, gave him a graduation card um, and let him know like, yeah, I, I kind of want to get back into training a little more than coaching, um, but I still wouldn't mind, you know, coaching or doing doing whatever um, if, if he ever had a need. Um, and I didn't end up coaching, but um, when when he got promoted to, um, what was it, vice, vice executive something or something like that, um, when he got promoted to, you know, the branch leader, um, he needed a sports director and um, he just reached out to me. I didn't, you know, really see the posting or anything. He reached out to me. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's, that's something I've always wanted to do, but I've never even thought that I did want to do it. Um, I just thought about how, how great of an opportunity I didn't even, you know, I'm still 22. I, I didn't think I was at the time I was still 22. I didn't even really think about, um, you know, what my next step would be. I really had no idea. So when I got presented the opportunity, um, I pounced at it. I, I, I don't blame you. It sounds like an incredible opportunity. And what has been your, um, you know, some of your favorite moments as a sports director so far? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just so proud of the, the partnership that my, my two, my two worlds have, right. The, the Phoenix Suns, the, the YMCA, I'm just so proud of the, the partnership and um, the the ability for both to to live and breathe together. Um, and as sports director, um, you know I've I've had you know a great great mentor in in Greg. So I've been able to learn the ropes. Um, but then when I when I first got hired on, I was really ambitious too, and I still am really ambitious. But um, when I first got hired on, I had a lot of lot of visions. Um, I was able to execute on a decent amount of them, and some I'm still still waiting on. Some I'm still you know trying to work towards um, a couple of them, a couple of them were, you know, involvement with the, the coaches and the players. So um, I did some really awesome things. Um, one, I, I came in during the playoffs of, of a, and the end playoffs of um, the winter season. And so I had about two, three months off before the next season. So, um, you know, in that off, off time, I wanted to do some things to give back to the community that I grew up in, that I played in, um, I wanted to give back to the community because um, at the end of the day, I feel like that's the wise job is to give back to the community. Um, so one thing I saw was, um, you know, all our coaches, they're volunteers. We don't pay them anything, right? They're, they're here out of the good and good and kindness of their heart. Um, so my first thing was I want to reward these coaches. I want to give them an opportunity that, you know, that I want to give them part of the experience that I get at the Phoenix Suns. I want them to have a little bit of a taste of this as well. So um, we we organized a uh, with the help of you know Greg Bauslog, um, 
Shaquina Albrow, who's uh, was at my at the time the off court player development manager for the Suns. Um, my guy, he you know helped coordinate getting getting these coaches here. So we got Brian Gates and Jarrett Jack to basically teach thirty of our 30, 35 coaches, um, YMCA coaches, how to coach. And um, you know they they were able to ask questions, get um, feedback. They showed them drills. They talked about. Um, different, different ways to, um, you know, approach the game and approach coaching. Um, and it was an awesome event. We actually had the, with eight YMCA's in the Valley have sports programs and all eight had at least one or two coaches there. Um, so it was just an awesome opportunity to kind of spread the, the knowledge of the game and, um, you know, just help, help grow the game and help our coaches out. It was, it was awesome. Um, Mike, should I touch on the other one a little? as well yeah go for it man yeah so um and then another thing we did so at the time in uh about a season later um i had we had it in the works we had an idea of what we wanted to do but i didn't kind of you know start to formulate the exact plans but um we were able to get cam johnson and uh steve scalzi um steve was our uh g league coach this past season he's an assistant coach for the suns um as well as ish wainwright and cam johnson so they came out and wow. at the time, I had about ten high school high school teams in my program, and they did a clinic for the ten high school teams there. About um, seventy kids, seventy five kids, and I, th- I think about that number. And um, you know, it was just an awesome experience. Um, kids were getting their shoes signed by Ish, and I, you know, still see those kids wearing wearing the same shoes, like telling me they're about to go like like Mike mode because um, I got the Ish Wainwright signed signed shoes. So um, it was an awesome event um just to have the, those guys here give some knowledge to the kids and we actually kind of made it more like a revolved around shooting clinic because um Scalzi is like a developmental coach and then um cam has in my mind like one of the prettiest jump shots in in all of basketball so um you know we we focused a lot on those those skills and i feel like um rather than just you know touching on you know a little bit of everything we focused in on defense or on um on shooting and uh, I feel like the kids really got a lot of a lot of knowledge, a lot of little tips um, out of that that experience. Tons of fun. That's a once in a lifetime experience for those kids, man. You'd be surprised, you know, for people who have season tickets or a guy like yourself who gets to be around them all the time. You know, there's a lot of people who don't get to even go to any games. So to have that opportunity to be around some of the best in the game, it's once in a lifetime. That's so awesome, dude. But with that being said, I obviously have to ask about coaching. Me and Chris have been at it for a very long time. You've roped me back into it as well. Shout out to Greg. You know, we're, we're coaching a seventh and eighth grade team out of your branch now. And I, one, thank you. It's It's been too long and I feel back thank at you, home. But you, the other thing is, you know, everybody has that moment. We've already talked about some great moments you've had on the Suns floor, your own playing experience. But what has been one of your favorite moments as a coach uh, so far? Oh man, um, I've had a lot of, a lot of in the past year or two. I feel like just a lot of experiences. Um, there, I'm, I'm coaching high school. This isn't my favorite, but I'm coaching high school last, last week, two weeks ago, and uh, a kid comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, coach, you remember me?" And I'm like, "Uh." Can't can't put he's a high schooler. I, I can't put I can't put a face to the name. Sorry, man. Um, and he's like, You were my first YMCA coach ever. And I was like, Really? And 
And I ended up thinking a little about it. And I coached the kid back when he was in like fifth grade. Um, and the crazy thing to me is I don't feel old, but that made me feel so old, <laughs> like so old. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, the, the kid, the kid obviously had a real big impact by me and, and him coming back up to me, um, just made me rethink about, you know, like the impact that I've had on other people. And, um, you know, it's just another motivating thing to want to continue. Um, my big, the biggest thing I, I think about what I'm proud of is, um, my first season as director, I coached a high school team as well. Um, that season, we did not win a game. We went 0-8 uh, throughout the regular season. However, um, what I was I was so proud of that team because every single loss was by less than double digits. Every single loss was close. Um, and every single loss where we, maybe we were trailing by double digits, trailing by 20, um, we didn't give up. They, they kept fighting and, and brought it back with within within striking distance, right? And as a coach, that's all you can ask for is the, for the kids not to give up. Um, and so come, come our, our playoff game, um, we play a team that we lost by to about like five in the regular season, we lost to them by one point, one, one single point, um, in a, in a tough loss, but I was so happy because, um, right after that moment, I was able to go and tell my kids, Hey, Hey guys. Um, so, uh, I've been in contact with, you know, my people at the Suns and we are going to be doing the Cam Johnson Clinic. So that was their first opportunity, hearing about, you know, being able to get that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, that was their first moment, hearing about it. And it may have been after a loss, but it was an awesome moment. Fast forward, you know, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, me and my brother saw that the Suns were still playing. So we go out to uh, just a local bar to go watch the end of the game. And it's actually the, the, the last game Cam played before he got hurt. The one that you guys play in your intro video of him hitting that that uh, dagger three against the against the Knicks. So it was it, that that to me just felt like a full circle moment, right? I get to tell my kids who just went zero and eight, "Hey, Cam's gonna come do this clinic." Cam goes out there and hits a career high game winner game, and um, that would that that to me is my my favorite moment. Um, you know, just because it, it it speaks a little to why we do it. It's not about wins. It's you sports. It's not about wins. It's about um, it's about helping the kids out and you know trying to get them just confident in themselves, confident in their game, and keep developing them. So um, yeah, that's definitely my my favorite moment in coaching. That, that's pre- that's pretty sweet that that he recognized you all those years later and and having that that like you highlighted that that he he was obviously impacted by your coaching and it, and it, and the development that you're speaking about. So to, to maybe a young player like him or even at a high school age, what is maybe like some advice you would give a young player that's developing? And I think you were kind of touching on it earlier, but say a, a, a kid that wanted to like make his high school team or go out for his high school team. Yeah, my, um, my, my advice would be to play with people who are older, play with everyone, go to go to pickup gyms where, you know, there's there's older people you may not be able to get on because they don't like picking up kids. But, but play with people who are older because um, the biggest thing I've noticed in my personal experience is every time you go and play in an older um, older age range, there's always a step up in physicality. There's always a step up in just basketball knowledge. Um, so go go play with some people who are older um, and, and get that experience of, you know, having to, having to fight for every bucket. Go like 
And, you know, you may not initially do well, but if, you know, you continue on, once you get back to playing people who are in your age range, you're going to feel um, like you're doing a lot better. If, if it's a kid who's trying to make a team, the biggest thing is um, I would I would stress um, treat, treat it like a job. Treat it like you really, really need it. Treat it like you you have to get to this point or else you're not getting going to get it at all because, um, you know, it, it's tough, you know, Arizona athletics, Arizona basketball is not not an easy route just to you know walk on and, and become the guy. So um, sometimes you got to find a different role, but sometimes you just got to you got to work harder than the person next to you. Um, so that's definitely my my advice for for younger people trying to trying to find their place in basketball or trying to find their place in uh, in making a team. That's it, folks. Make sure you pass it along to your kids. Well, Jacob, do you got anything? Anything else for the people? Any last sentiments? Uh, no, I just appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate you guys. Let me, you know, kind of tell the people my story. Um, I'm a, I'm kind of like a, I'm so hyper-focused on what I do. Sometimes I forget to, you know, reflect a little on the things that I've been, you know, been blessed with the opportunity to, to, to live. So um, I appreciate you guys giving me, you know, kind of that outlet to outlet, pun intended, to you know, kind of, you know, it, talk a little about this stuff. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And um, if there's anyone here who, you know, maybe saw it from my reposting, you know, I don't, I don't always share this stuff with, with people who uh, I'm close with. So um, I think it was just a fun, fun time and appreciate you guys having me on to talk a little about myself. I never do this, by the way. I don't, I really don't <laughs> like talking about myself, but. Um, so this was an it, exclusive interview. Yeah. When it's for, when it's for a good cause and when it, when it's, something and I can talk about something I love. I can talk for days. Um, if not, I'll sit in the corner and just kind of watch, but yeah, awesome. appreciate you guys. Well, we're more than appreciative for you joining us tonight. I'm more than sure that we're going to have you back. And I also wanted to say, okay. man, I'm super proud of everything that you're doing at the Y. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what's next, not only there, but also with the Suns. So anybody who's watching, if you find yourself at a game this season, make sure you're looking on the floor for Jacob. And I'll be shooting some bricks. Thank you so much, man. In between, in, in between quarters, in between halftime, pregame, shooting some bricks up. Well, you know what would help with that? If you come run with us at Awatuki one of these ah, Sundays, you can work on that there. There it is. <laughs> I, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll make an appearance uh, soon. Soon. I'm not going to promise this weekend. Soon. But I definitely think soon. Um, the, you know, it's the hardest part. Like, you know, I got the, the one off day. I'm on, I work Saturdays, but I'm going to stop by. Busy man. Yeah. Appreciate you, Jacob. Have a good Appreciate night, man. You. Thanks. You Take too. it easy. Well, that was Jacob Moreno, East Valley Sports Director and Phoenix Suns Court Attendant. Like I said, make sure the next time you're at a Suns game, pull those binoculars out. Take a look around. See if you can see them on the floor. And if you got any kids, you know, uh, youth sports is going on four times a year. There's four different seasons. Right now we're in the fall. Uh, winter will be become uh, will be starting in December. So bring your kids out. It starts at uh, preschool. So get them involved in the game early, the game that we love. But Chris, I think it's that time. I think it's uh, the outlet point guard time. Are you ready to rock? Yes, sir. Let's do it. What do you got for us this week? So last night. The Phoenix Suns played the Denver Nuggets. We're about a week away from the first game of the official season, which is against the Dallas Mavericks on October 19th. 
think next Wednesday at home, it'll be a TNT game. We have 34 games televised this year, Chris. 34? I can't believe it, dude. I, I, I mean, I knew this team was good, but they really want to show us out to the world, and I'm all about it. So past couple of uh, past the outlet point guards that we've looked at, it's all really been positives. So today I wanted to look a little bit at a different aspect, and by no means am I saying that a preseason loss really means anything. I know we're going to talk about that in Reddit Reacts, <laughs> but you got to start dissecting what this team is about. And the first two plays are just some, not bit of concerns, but just general things as a basketball coach and as a basketball player to try and kind of keep in mind when you're on the floor. So we can just roll it through real quick. I'll stop before the last one, and then we'll go back and dissect. So this is just some high action. I think that's Bones Highland getting in a screen and roll with Jeff Green, who attacks, creates you know a good bit of separation, and there's an offensive rebound by DeAndre Ayton up against – or by DeAndre Jordan up against DeAndre Ayton. Funny thing that I say that, the Denver Nuggets announcer actually announced DeAndre Jordan as DeAndre Ayton last night. So it's all coming full circle. But then here's another decent play. Uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. gets a decent look, short arms it, but hustles with it, looks down low, finds Ish Wainwright for a nice slam. But we don't hustle back, and they get a transition <laughs> basket like it's nothing. So it's like that, it's like that scene in uh semi-pro where they're all high-fiving and celebrating that they just scored a basket, meanwhile, the other team. Just going right down. And I know it happens so fast. It's so quick triggered. But those are the things that kind of grind your gears, you know. So I'll go back and uh, I'll, I'll let you walk us through this one, Chris, and, and start telling us what you're seeing here. But, you know, this is Booker picking up Bones Highland basically right across the three-point line. And this high action screen set is so high. I think the first thing that I noticed here, sorry, and I'm cutting you off already. No, you're good. You're good. This was that this transition screen here. I, I feel like it wasn't called out well enough by Tory Craig because if I'm going to fall back and be the one who falls on Bones Highland, I gotta let B Devin Booker know that his responsibility is Jeff Green way earlier than that. Is, mm -hmm. is that something that you kind of saw too? Yeah, no, that's the first thing I noticed is Booker's on the chase and he does a kind of a kind of a good job of trying to hedge it a little bit and get on his hip. But Jeff Green just way too strong uh, is able to power through that, but still didn't matter. He, he didn't he didn't make the bucket. I think what, what stood out to me is uh, it was interesting at first. I kind of like you said, we've only been mostly showing positive. So I had a, a, a thinking that you were sending positive plays and I was trying to see what's the positive here and then quickly realized, oh, no. Oh, no, this is not a good thing. So I think, like I said, Devin Booker good up top, sticking with Jeff Green and putting the pressure on. Um, and then, yeah, Deion, this is exactly what we were talking about with DeAndre Ayton and why we didn't want to give him the contract. The lazy stuff like this where he could easily – has the right on his back and could easily cut the lane right now and have gotten a dunk from Jeff Green if the timing had worked out right. DeAndre Jordan doesn't even have to box him out that hard. He just, Olay, here you go. So he, Yeah, he just, barely gets him a left-hand push, and he's basically out of position right away. 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, like you said, not going to put too much stock in a preseason loss. I don't think you should ever be taking nights off, though, especially when there's so much around your name and about your gameplay and you're trying to prove people wrong. Is it's just not not good a good sign early on in my opinion but not not anything that can't be corrected just again i'll emphasize the fact that this is pretty much exactly what one of the big things we were worried about with deandre Aiden. yeah that's just the will the will to rebound the will to make sure that you're in position and put a body on somebody consistently night in night out uh, the one thing with this screen though is it doesn't even look like jeff green really makes that much contact here but the last thing I ever want is my defender to be rolling, thinking that he's sticking with the ball handler and then have to completely switch his body to run out, out there. You know, that's the last thing that I really ever want to see. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I think the bigger thing here is DeAndre Ayton just watching, right? As soon as that ball goes up from Jeff Green, you don't have – you're not putting a hand up. You're not contesting. Your first thing as a big man is to find the body and make sure that you're in position if anything is short-armed. So mm-hmm. that could be, you know, a testament to, you know, why he doesn't average 12 to 15 rebounds a game. But it'll be something to keep in mind when we come up, uh, you know, in this next year, especially since we're going to be undermanned at that four position with Cam Johnson playing a little bit more on the outside. So with this next play, it was a good play to start, but it's all about finishing through the entire play. You can't get complacent with a good play. You have to make sure that you play both ends of the floor. So Ish Wainwright has an incredible, nice slam, but Mm -hmm. somehow we don't understand that there's a trailer after the missed shot. I mean, when when, uh, Dwayne Washington makes or shoots this one right here, you got to mm-hmm. feel that guy on your back hip who's already falling behind because he went to contest, right? So yeah. now I got to make sure that, A, obviously stick with the ball first, right? They always say follow through, follow your shot, and he does a good job of that. But if it doesn't go your way, you got to make sure that you're headed back because you're the last line of defense. So after this play is made, this pass here, you got to hustle back. You know that this guy gotta is book pushing it. down. You got to book it, man. Mm-hmm. And so. yeah, I don't know if if he wanted to see his assist come to fruition, um, if that might have been part of it. A beautiful pass, by the way. Good court vision. I think it would be tempting there after getting your own rebound uh, to, to put up that three-point shot again. Especially, he has the space, it seems like. He could have pulled it, and maybe he should have. Maybe that, that, that could have been a three-point basket. But I still like him finding that, that Ish Wainwright on the on the baseline excuse me to to slam that in but no you're exactly right mike he's he's watching he's looking back not paying attention and maybe and you can't really see it's not in the frame but maybe that nuggets player kind of realized that he's slouching and kind of bolted it i know you can if you know players have good court vision they have a good awareness of what's going on and i wouldn't doubt if if that was something that was picked up on so not the biggest deal not anything that's going to keep me up at night but just something that's going to be embarrassing when they watch it back on game film and, and that'll need to get cleaned up Right. And you do see, you know, your guy, Jock Lindell right here, he does point up and says, hey, there's that man down there. You got to go. You got to go right as the ball is inbounded. But Washington just couldn't get back. With that being said, our last play 
was a very impressive play by that same guy, Jock Landell. Just some simple screen action up top and a lazy pass inside that Landell scoops and immediately uh, passes it off and points. Give me that ball back. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with this rotation and how many minutes he's really going to get. From some reports, it sounds like he's kind of started to sure up that backup uh, center position. Bismarck Biombo hasn't played that much in the preseason. And I think they like what he can do on both ends of the floor and his ability to stretch out. He can handle the basketball a little bit more than Bismarck can, and, and they trust his handles. But I love this play, man. I just I, I love guys getting rewarded for a good defensive play on the other end. You know, that's my favorite. Oh, yeah. Good good hustle, too, though. I mean, N- Nuggets take one second off. They slouch for one second thinking he can get that lazy pass across the top of the key. And Jock Landale, trying to earn his minutes, said, heck no. I'm taking that from you, and I'm going coast to coast. It's just he's doing it all here. You, you see he makes the smart read, slows it down, the change of speed, gets the defender having to make quick decisions. And, I mean, the defender did what he should have. He contested the guy that had the ball. But, man – Smart play, good finish, and uh, they got back on defense on this one. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what Jock Landell does. It seems like the Suns always, and it may, it, maybe it's not specific to the Suns, but they always have one guy that's a bench player, sixth, seventh man, that just really uh, you know captures the hearts of the fan base. And I, it seems like Jock might be trending towards being that guy. Yeah, I was listening to another podcast today where I guess – he's been kind of chirping at Mikhail Bridges on Twitter a lot. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to get uh, on the good favor of Suns fans and become another fan favorite. Cause then, yeah. you know, maybe coach will be a little bit more susceptible to keep him and keeping him out there a little bit longer than he might need to. <laughs> Got to give so, the people what they want. So, you know, excited for preseason to finally be coming to an end. So we can really start to see what this rotation is going to look like. But with that being said, Chris, for Reddit Reacts, you had a a really, really funny first one for us. When you sent it to me, I definitely had a good chuckle. And uh, are are you seeing some similarities uh, of uh, Jock Landell? And is that Frank Kaminsky? Yeah, yeah, it's it's oddly, it's eerily similar. You know, when you when you don't have your glasses on, it's it's Jock Landell, and he's there, and he's catching oops and slamming them in, but then. When you when you really put on the specs and focus in it, it kind of starts to look like Frank Kaminsky, and uh, that's what Puzzleheaded Win One Five Two Nine on Reddit posted. Uh, I mean, I see it. I see it. I don't think Jock's quite as tall as Frank. Could be wrong there. Um, I mean, once you're over six ten, what does it really matter too much? But I'm excited again. Like just like I was just saying, I'm really excited to see what Jock brings to the table. I think he's probably like two inches shorter than him but it seems like he has a little bit bigger of a build Mm. because you know the time that frank kaminsky was on our team he did have some post game but he was a a pretty decent shooter from the outside and i feel like that was kind of his his main item of substance for this team so hey Frank the Tank, he was a fan favorite as well. So maybe it's all coming to fruition for Jock Lindell, and he's going to be the next guy that steps uh, into that. But, Chris, here's the other one that I got for you. Uh, I think you said um, 
NBA <laughs> has suspended Suns owner Robert Sarver for one year from the Suns and Mercury organization based on league investigation. Sarver has also been fined $10 million and complete training program focused on respect and appropriate workplace conduct. And somebody said who? And then they said Suns owner Luka Doncic. Man, we can't be done with this still. Is it just I guess we got to start the season and he's still our owner? My goodness, man. So that and that makes what makes me wonder because I was a little inspired by these uh the different angle for past the outlet. Um I'm sorry for outlet point guard where it was some negative plays, but for so for Reddit reacts, I went and kind of skimmed the Mavericks subreddit and some of the other subreddits of different NBA teams. And so came across this little gem on the Mavericks Reddit, as you can imagine, you can see they're loving that. I think 518 upvotes. But what I was going to say is it kind of makes you wonder, do the Mavericks live rent-free in our head and Luka Doncic, or do the Suns live rent-free in Mavericks heads? It almost seems like maybe they think about us a little more than we think about them. I know I'm still salty of how the season ended and that series, but I don't know if that was necessarily the Mavericks winning as much as it was the Suns losing that series, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah, it took me about two weeks. You went through the grieving process, the pain, the anguish, the anger, and now I don't care. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. I I still trust this unit over Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. I, I still don't think they have a, a good enough core to get them over that hump. I think they're still a few pieces away in regards to a little bit older of guys. You know what I mean? I do like the addition of Christian Wood. I do like them bringing in JaVel McGee, and maybe that'll help them, you know, rally up the, the older guys to become a little bit more uh settled for a playoff run but you know one thing i wouldn't be surprised is if we see luka Doncic win mvp this year it just seems like those that's kind of the trajectory that his career has been going so far yeah and i'll give prop to props to him but you know right now the sun's owner is robert sarver it's not luka Doncic. i don't care what you say uh, but it's not going to be robert sarver for a lo- for much longer probably within the next couple of months um, but you know, season is a, almost tomorrow will be a week. I'm ready to go. I'm, I don't care anymore about any kind of losses. I know the Suns lost last night, 107 to 105. We lost to the 36ers, but our last one that you brought up, Chris was, was a good one. And I think it just really cements our feelings when it comes to preseason and maybe not just even for basketball you know it can be for football for baseball with spring training but i just like um are we running out of things to talk about yeah i mean who knows it seems like though what i was kind of noticing is this the sun's fan base isn't the only one feeling this you know when you have a contending team that We can be realistic about it and understand matchups, injuries. But I think as a Suns fan, I think the Suns have one of the best squads in the league. And on any given night, they could be every team in the league. So clearly, I would say Nets fans probably have that expectation as well, given their their big two or big three, whatever you want to call them these days. But it's going to be okay. You know, just take some deep breaths. Get these preseason L's. Uh, the the 36ers in Adelaide can run their newspaper headlines about historic wins overseas. But at the end of the day, 
these guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. Once the season starts is when the real basketball will happen. So I think we're all Bugs Bunny here waiting for the season to start, um, drinking our carrot juice a little bit, you know, sad when we lose. But pretty soon here, less than a week, I think, or just about a week, these games are going to get started up and we'll see what the league looks like. Yeah, get the non-hustling back on transition defense out right now. Get the not rebounding strong out right now. We'll be ready to go on Wednesday. But Chris, anything else for the people before we wrap up tonight? Nah, man, I just have to say this was a pretty awesome episode, having Jacob on, picking his brain about his time as a court attendant and as a coach and all the other things that he's done. I know there's a lot more he could have shared with us if he had the time. So really going to gonna look forward to having him back on in the future. I love doing this past the outlet, man. It's, ever since we we kind of you kind of pitched the idea and we we came up and got this all together and starting to now kind of see it come to fruition. I'm just I'm really excited for for where we take this and the people and conversations we'll be having. So hope everyone else enjoyed it. Let us know in the comments below and uh, let us know if you have anyone that you want us to try and get on. I know we're kind of small time, so it might not might not be able to get the players, but who knows? You might know someone and you can refer them our way. Absolutely. Make sure you keep an eye on our socials at AZ underscore VSP, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're going to have some more special guests coming on to pass the outlet. We got some other people from the Valley of the Sun YMCA, some of our friends who play semi-pro basketball, and maybe we'll bring some of our knucklehead friends in from our Sunday runs and have some pretty good conversations. But once again, thank you to Jacob Moreno. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, all of you. We'll see you guys next time. This was Pass the Outlet, Episode 5. Have a great night. Peace. Valley champs. One, two, three, four. Ball is life, plain and simple. You know, ask any baller. If, if you know, you know. The game has changed, but it's still the same. You want it, go get it. Shazam! The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot on Elo. The Bulls win! Mike, you're honestly telling me that you're top five. Yeah. Top five of all time. No question about it. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. The ruling on the floor is made basket. You know, one thing's for sure. Over at Valley Sports Plug, you're never going to catch us slipping. First overall pick, the Phoenix Suns select. Three, two, one.